welcome to the Learning the Lessons podcast. This is where we chat about ways that you can fill up on Jesus so that you can pour out to your people. And we share stories. So today is the third in a series of four recordings from our Sister Share event in March. Um, the speaker today is myself. And I am talking about thriving looks a lot like worship. Enjoy. Okay, my session's called Thriving. It looks a lot like worship. I wanted to say something like um, worshiping through survival or just plain surviving, but I was trying to stay positive here. So um, I'm going to share two different times when I was just surviving and how worship was the key to surviving, to switch from surviving to thriving. Then we're going to hop into some practical ways to make this perspective change. So most of you guys know, or some of you know, that we had COVID this fall. Um, it's the closest I've ever been to just surviving. We got the Delta, and the girls slip by quite easily, and Ethan and I seemed to be getting better. He was about a step ahead of me, the fever day, the anxiety day, the coughing day, but then he kept getting better, and I got worse. It was on Saturday, and it was day three of my fever. I woke up, and I could tell I was worse. I could hear wheezing when I breathed and when I coughed. I knew I probably had pneumonia, so I slowly made my way to the van and we headed to the hospital. Our neighbor told us later that was the only place I could have been going because I looked so rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, fast forward a few hours, they had done an x-ray, they had given me fluids, they had done lots of blood work. I was starting to feel perkier thanks to the fluids and they wanted to do a CT scan just in case. Um, probably not, they said. There's probably nothing going on, but just in case. And that test is miserable to anybody who's had it. You guys are heroes. I hate that test. I got back to my room, and I was ready to get out of there. I texted Ethan and said, hey, I want to come home. And, of course, they weren't ready to let me go yet. A few minutes later, a nurse came in and started working at my ID. And he said, okay, we're going to start a heparin grip. And as a nurse, I knew what a heparin drip was, and I lost it. Heparin drips are for blood clots. Blood clots are my worst fear. Um, blood clots can get loose when you, they get to your brain. They can go to your heart. They can kill you instantly. No amount of help can help when you have a free roaming blood clot. The nurse tried to start my heparin drip. He was down here working on my IV. And he was not ready to see my um, display of emotions. <laughs> he quickly excused himself and was like, oh, I need to go check on something. He left. Um, I think he realized he was the first person to tell me that. The ER doctor and the med surge floor doctor came in very quickly after that, and they told me what I already knew. I had blood clots, plural, in my lungs. They stood by and just watched me cry. Then they asked, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Of course not, no. They asked pretty quickly after that, do you want CPR? Do you want a vent? Things shouldn't go awry, but if they do. Um, and then they said, do you have anybody at home? Yeah, I do. They explained the heparin bolus, the drip, and that they were admitting me until Tuesday. Several of the nurses and med surge docs said, we don't know why you came in. Your pulse ox is good, everything else is fine. Like besides 103 fever, I mean, um, there's no red flags to have brought you in, but we are so glad you did. I went in because I heard wheezing, 
They never heard wheezing. In fact, I never heard wheezing, and I never had pneumonia. I told you this was just the closest to barely surviving I've ever been, but I wasn't at my lowest yet. Fast forward to the next day, I've been given the antibody treatment, and I know by watching, knew by watching others that that evening was going to be my worst, and I was expecting it. But I had no idea it would feel like barely surviving. My fever went up to over 104. I couldn't get warm. I just lay there and shook. They didn't want to give me any covers. Um, I didn't have any tons of energy for texting. But I did text Ethan's dad and say, I can't get warm. I can't stop shaking. And he responded back, I know the feeling. After that, everything was a blur. The day shift nurse, who is Kirsten Stoller, some of you guys know her, she was an awesome nurse. It was it was a blessing she was there. She headed out and I fell into a bit of a daze. I could tell that night shift was there. I, they were asking me questions, but I didn't care. They would come in and check my temp. And I remember asking, oh, what is it? But while the night before, when the fever was so high, I would just get mad and like say, I'm gonna throw this thermometer. There's no reason why my fever should be that high. Um, this night, I didn't care. The nurse would bring me water. I didn't care. They would take my blood. I didn't care. Just went in and out of sleep. And it's the least I've ever cared about in my life. I lay there dozing in and out. About 1230, I woke up. I'm not sure what me. I was still burning with fever, but I woke up and realized I was barely surviving. And it scared me. I just remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this one. It hit me. The way things were going, a lot would have to change in order for me to be able to live. I was just surviving. I'm going to change course a little bit. There was another time when I was just surviving. This time it wasn't physically. It was mentally, emotionally. It was the spring of 2018. I was a homeschool mom with a crazy toddler, a kindergartner, elementary school, middle schooler. I was doing sister shares, doing Bible study website, Coming off a year of doing and doing and doing, and motherhood was wrecking me. I was barely surviving. I picked up a bunch of things, trying to become someone, trying to dull the boredom of motherhood, trying to prove I was worth something. One day, one of my girls couldn't get my attention, so she slapped me. She's not here. <laughs> but anyways, um, and it, I needed, it woke me up. I realized I needed that slap. I was in a crazy season of motherhood, yes, but I was barely surviving. And the things I was doing, thinking that they would help me feel better, just made me drown more. In both cases, lying in the hospital bed, physically only surviving, and being slapped by my daughter, emotionally and mentally only surviving, both places were exactly where Satan wanted me to be, stuck. Stuck in surviving. Surviving is just that. Breathing, heart beating, rushing to do the most urgent thing, to check it off the list, to get to the next deadline in time, to get the kids to bed so I can fall into bed myself. And because we feel like we're just surviving, we get stuck in that. The thing we forget about surviving is our perspective. When we live from behind, we forget what's right in front of us. We forget the power that's inside us. We forget God does not want us to just survive he didn't create us to just survive. Yes, at times, and yes, during seasons, but not forever and not for more than a season. Both instances, I did some things to change my perspective. Need you to hear me. 
My circumstances did not change. My perspective did. The way I looked at my circumstances, the way I looked at God, the way I looked at myself, that's what changed. Things did not magically get better. So if you only take one thing from my talk, I want you to remember that my problems did not go away. Only my perspective changed. So in both instances, sometimes I did the same things. Sometimes it was a little bit different, but I'm going to list some practical things I did. Let's talk about the face slap day first. I went to him in deep repentance. In surrender, I gave him my life. I put down every single thing in front of him, and I asked him, what should I keep on my plate, and what should I let go of? <laughs> he actually told me to lay down everything. Um, put some of the homeschooling to outsources. I changed my curriculum. Um, the Bible study ministry, I laid it down. The writing I had done, the stuff I was doing, every single thing outside of the house, I let go. I only kept the bare necessities up. All my volunteer stuff was over. I only did laundry and cooking and cleaning. I didn't text my friends, which sounds kind of rude, but I didn't. Um, I didn't initiate any conversation. I got off all social medias. I just pulled up and went back to the basics. And it gave me a reset, the exact reset I needed. During those 40 days, I realized motherhood, in fact, everything about my life was worship. Did you know laundry is worship? Cooking for your kids is worship? I believe worship's the key to whether we're surviving or we're thriving. Again, my, my circumstances didn't change. I still had laundry. I still had dirty dishes. I still had monotony. But I began to worship, and it flipped a switch. No longer was I just surviving. That night in the hospital bed, realizing I was out of it and realizing I was in a daze, um, you know, there's nothing like laying in a hospital bed with 104 fever and blood clots that puts the frailty of life right in front of you. I had a similar choice. Was I going to survive during this or thrive? Again, I began to worship. In the days, I wanted a song to listen to. I remembered I had my favorite from Dawn's CD recorded on my voice memo, so I played that over and over. I stopped the song throughout and surrendered again. I started talking to Jesus. We talked about him. Several things. Like, sorry. Like maybe my job here was done. There was probably confession in there, but mostly I just remember surrender. I told Jesus, if you have a better wife for my husband or a better mom for my girls, someone who could get them to heaven better than me, then you can take me. I just wanted them to have the best. And if I wasn't the best, I just surrendered my life to him. And if I was still the one, then I told him, you better get in here and show up because I'm dying and I need you. And he did show up. I felt like he said I would make it. He told me some things I had to do with my life and ways that I should worship him through my life. Um, he told me that I had to bring glory from this specific COVID experience. And funny, he told me this time I had to post something on Instagram. So in the middle of the night, I posted a story on Instagram in obedience. Quite opposite of pulling up and getting off social medias. This time he said I had to be open about it. You know, still not much had changed. I still had fever. I was still in the hospital. I still had blood clots. My vitals were the same. Well, actually, my pulse ox dropped and started tanking. So in that, I was a little bit worse. But my perspective changed. By turning my mind to worship, I began to thrive even in a hospital bed. 
I began to thrive again, not because my circumstances, but because my perspective had changed. I'm standing here today, so you know I made it. Um, but I didn't just do it just surviving. I started thriving. And Jesus did show up. And in a whole in that hour, oh, my fever went down a whole degree, which had never happened before. Okay, so what about you? Hopefully your your life isn't quite like this, but my guess is that in some ways you feel like you're just surviving. Something is trying to crush you. Something is trying to stop you from thriving. Something looks overwhelming. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Surviving. The last two years have been hard, right? Grief over what we've lost, whether people have passed away, whether there's loss of job, loss of income, loss of memories, loss of trips that you wish you could have gone on. Have you lost something? Have you felt the pressure and felt like you're just surviving? I mean, my grocery budget is just surviving. And my gas budget stopped surviving a long time ago. So how can we take a step towards thriving? When Jesus told us that there would be trouble, he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But how do we remember this in the middle of trouble? Surviving is focusing on the trouble. Thriving is focused on Jesus. The secret is on what we focus on. And when we focus on worship, we thrive. Worship isn't just singing, though it's part of it. Worship isn't just going to church, although it's part of it. Worship isn't raising our hands in prayer. Worship is realizing that every single thing we do is for Jesus. It's realizing we're made for God. Sorry, made by God. Everything we have, even our breath, is from him, and anything we do is through him. But even a step more, everything we do is for him. There's a verse in Romans 3, Romans 11, 36 that I love. For him, for from him, and through him, and to him are all things. Did you catch that? From him, and through him but then to him. Do you realize what you're doing is to him? It's for him? Raising our kids, doing our laundry, the job we go to each weekday, washing sticky tables, teaching our kids, our marriage, a day at church, everything we do is for him. Again, when we're surviving, we're doing it for us. We're doing it through us. When we do it thriving, we realize he is doing it through us. We realize we're doing it for him. Doing it for him is worship. The Bible's broken into chapters, but it didn't used to be that way. The verse right after Romans um, 11.36 starts Romans 12. It gives us more to think about it. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's that worship word again. Doing it for him is worship. So what does that look like practically? I love Romans 12, but Carolyn's going to talk about that. Um, but next time you get stuck in, in it, go read Romans 12 again. Um, there's wonderful ways to worship in there. But I'm going to go down a different path. I'm going to talk about the three things I think we have to do to thrive in order to thrive. Three different stages of worship. The first one is die and surrender. Second one's growth and learn. 
The third one's steward and bear fruit. So die and surrender. It sounds kind of morbid, I know, but just like a plant that's a seed has to die before it can start thriving, we also have to die to ourselves before we can thrive. Because thriving only happens when we're worshiping. And to worship, we have to give our bodies, our purpose, our mind, our lives as a living sacrifice. We have to confess to Jesus the sin, maybe it's sin of distraction, sin of comparing, sin of unforgiveness. Maybe it's staying stuck in self-pity too long. In the face slap instance, I had a lot to confess. In the hospital bed, not as much, but I did have a dream I was holding on to too tightly and I wasn't surrendering. And not surrendering, if it goes on too long, can be a sin of disobedience. So what do you need to confess? What do you need to die from? And then surrender. What are you holding on to? What have you not given up? We have to surrender not just our life, but our, our daily, not just our health, but our, day, our daily life. So what, what about you? What do you have to surrender? In order to worship, we first have to die to ourselves and surrender to his plan. The second one, growth and learn. Growth is sometimes painful, like a plant stretching up to our full height. Sometimes it takes a lot of time and a lot of learning. I think growth has to start with accepting the calling you have in the specific season you're in. So what are you called to be right now? Right now, you have to accept motherhood, accept the hard job, accept the busy season, accept the relationship you need to work on, accept the quiet place you're in. Accepting is admitting to yourself that you're called to this exact place. It's not looking to your friend and wishing to have their calling. It's looking at what God has called you to and where's he, where he's placed you. Plants don't have thoughts and feelings, but if they did, imagine how healthy a sunflower would look if she was trying to be a rose. Don't compare yourself. The day of that face slap, I had the biggest thing that hit me was that I had not been accepting my calling to motherhood. I'd gone nearly 13 years without accepting I was the mom. <coughs> 13 years of trying to run from it and pretend I was not it. We must accept our calling before we can grow. And part of growing is being okay with what kind of person you're made to be, what kind of calling you're called to, and finding your calling and passions. Who are you woven to be? What's your personality? Are you extroverted, introverted? Do you think or you, do you feel more? Do you judge or do you have show mercy more? If you haven't taken a Myers-Briggs test, do it. Become okay with who you are and how you're made to be. Then look at your life circumstances. Become okay with the paths that have brought you where you are today. Realize you were made to be born at this exact time in history, these exact parents, to this exact generation, to this exact president, accept this calling, okay? An important part of growth is learning. Once you've accepted and acknowledged your exact place in your season of life, you have to start learning. Are you a mom? Read mom books. Talk with other moms. Listen to podcasts. Join an online community. Start a local playgroup. Surround yourself with other moms. Make lists. Get organized. Become a rock star mom. Rather than pretending or wishing the time away, lean in and learn all you can do about being a mom. I like taking writing classes, but... That's not my main season right now. So there are times where I have to step away and remind myself I'm a mom right now. 
Um, in 2 Timothy 1, Tim, Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Think about that for a minute. Fan into flame. When you're starting a fire, you have to have oxygen, right? You need to fan it. I believe in a practical way, we do this by learning. What's your gift? What's your calling? Fan it. A little over a year ago, God told me I wasn't surrendering some letters to my name that were behind my name. I had an LPN, but I was not using it. And I was not willing to use it either. I spent 10 years saying I will never go back. And I'll tell you, that flame needed a lot of oxygen. But learning was the key. So blow on your calling, bring it to life. When you do that, it makes your calling feel like you're an artist, or it brings rhythm to your life. It brings purpose. It makes you realize that doing and being you is worship. You start to see little hints that maybe, just maybe, you could thrive. The third one is steward and bring fruit. So often it feels like we must go out there and do amazing things with our gifts. We're going to talk about gifts. Carolyn's going to talk about it in just a little bit. But I've been learning that gifts God gave us isn't to go do anything new. It's to be, and it's to use them right where you are. So often we don't realize they're given to us to steward, to use. To give something to the people right in front of us. In trying to become someone or do something important, we miss that we're supposed to be right here. So how has God created you perfectly to be the mom to your children? Or created you perfectly to hold that job that you hold? Or created you perfectly to take care of your elderly parents? Stewardship has to start with realizing you've been given something to take care of. In Romans 12, sorry, Romans 11, 29, Paul wrote, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That means they've been given to us and they're not changed. First, the gift of salvation, but also the gifts and talents that he's given us. So do you realize what you've been given that needs taken care of? You can't take care of it if you don't know what it is. Figure it out. What have you been given to steward? Is it a talent, a gift of the Holy Spirit, a calling, a place to be? Figure it out. Going back to Timothy 2, 2 Timothy, Paul was talking to Timothy and telling him to fan the flame. And a little further down, he tells Timothy to keep that which he's entrusted unto him against that day. It says, but I'm not ashamed, for I know who I'm believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that until the day what has been entrusted to me. So first, salvation but then also gifts, talents to steward. And an easy way to do that is to worship. Praise him in journaling, sharing your story with a friend, singing, counting your blessings. Perhaps you don't even know what your exact calling is right now in this season. Perhaps you feel like surviving is the only option. Perhaps you can't bear fruit or steward what you have. Maybe you don't know what you have yet. I have a question for you. Do you have one single story of how God took care of you? Can you all say that you've had, you have one single story of God taking care of you? Then tell that to someone you're around. You've been trusted with one story. What are you going to do with it? Just take one little step to bring him glory. And that's the simplest way to use something he's entrusted you with. Maybe tomorrow, after you share that story, maybe tomorrow you'll see another thought or another gift. Or another um, one thing that you've been trusted with. 
Another one way to bring forth fruit. He has given you something, steward it. When we surrender and die to our own plan, we grow and learn. We blow on our gifts and talents. We bring them to life. We realize what we've been given to steward, then it becomes natural to bring forth fruit. Two years ago, I was at an event and a gal was being interviewed. She was a worship leader and she just gleamed joy. She was, she just radiated joy from every spore of her being. And she said her gift was to be a worship leader, but she said her favorite part was to bring people up onto the stage. The worship team went up next and I felt like God whispered to me that that's how I was gifted that I was to bring people on stage with me. I watched her, and had you known, you would not know that she was the leader of the group. You would have thought she was the servant. Every song someone else led, every song someone else was in the spotlight, she was organized, she encouraged them, she paid attention to what time it was, she just had all the people on the same page. She cheered on the singers. She patted their backs. She helped them have confidence in the gift they had been given. She never led a song. She never stole the spotlight. She had surrendered and died to herself. She had grown. She had learned how to lead well. She knew what gift she had been given, and she stewarded it well. And the fruit was evident. Every girl on that stage beamed because someone else had seen them, and someone else had seen that they had a talent, and they were cheered on. And God whispered to me that was who I was to be. With that, I've had to surrender a few of my own dreams. I've had to die from some of my own will. I've had to learn and grow in ways I have not always enjoyed. I hate conflict, but putting on some of the things I'm called to, has brought conflict. Growth inside my heart hasn't always been fun or easy. I had to admit I had a gift for this. I had to learn how to steward it and fruit Sometimes the fruit doesn't always look like I ever thought it would. But when I'm doing these three stages of worship, these three steps of worship, fruit comes without even trying. Not because I'm anything special, but because I'm exactly where God wants me to be. When I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not trying to be who you're supposed to be. When I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, the body works. God brings fruit. And when we're not doing it for ourselves and we're not doing it through our own strength, we're doing it for Jesus. We can't help but do it. And it's worship for him. What you're doing today is for him. Sometimes you might have to say that out loud. Jesus, I'm being a mom for you today. Jesus, I'm walking into school today for you. I'm doing this laundry to bring care to your little people. I'm working as the classroom mom today for you, Jesus. I'm doing my taxes. I'm paying my bills. I'm running errands for you, Jesus. Everything you do is for him. And when you do it for him, you take one more step away from the words, I'm just surviving, to through Jesus, I can thrive. But I want to remind you, Satan wants us to feel defeated. He wants us to feel like we're just surviving. But God has power. He wants to live inside us in that power. Even if our circumstances don't change, he wants us to view it and do it with a mind of worship. With that switch, you move from just surviving to thriving. As I end, I want to read the words to Dawn and Mitch's song that I listened to over and over in the hospital. They're written during a place of surviving, 
but I think the secret to thriving is in there. When I'm down and oh my soul so weary, or maybe I should have somebody else read it. <laughs> when I'm down and oh my soul so weary, when troubles come and my heart burden be, then I'm still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. There's no life, no life without its hunger. Each restless heart beats so imperfectly. But when you come and I'm filled with wonder, sometimes I glimpse eternity. When Christ shall come with shout of affirmation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. And that's worship. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong. When I'm on Jesus' shoulders, you raise me up to more than I can be. Of ourselves, we just survive. But with Jesus, we're raised up to be more than we can be. With Jesus, we can thrive.